This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Now turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We are in the midst of teaching on, or from, the Sermon on the Mount. We have spent time in the Beatitudes. We've introduced the Sermon on the Mount to you and spent time in the, in the Beatitudes. And I want to, again, make sure that you understand we're flowing with Matthew into the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew introduces Jesus as the King. And as he introduces Jesus as the King, when we get to the Sermon on the Mount, we understand who's speaking. Matthew also introduces to us that as Jesus' fame grew, that Jesus was teaching. And Matthew lets us know what he was teaching. He was teaching the kingdom of heaven. Which kingdom, I'll tell you this, is his. Because remember, the throne is his. He has the authority. So he's speaking about his kingdom. And also one of the things that I may mention to you is that who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the multitudes. Now one of the interesting things that, that gets me about the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll honestly see just about anything, is that he knows who he is ministering to. And one of the things you have to understand about this multitude and this crowd of people is that they were people under the law. So he is ministering to people under the law, but his word is beneficial and profitable for us who are under grace and not under the law. And when you understand the scriptures, it just makes sense. Because for whom he foreknew, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of him who's speaking. So in other words, whether they were under the law or were under grace, we're members of the same family. So, so he's speaking to a particular people. So whether you're under the law, under the grace, it applies. And when he speaks to the people that are under the law, and this will become important, maybe not today, maybe on the next time we're together, we'll see how far we get into this. He knows who he's speaking to. And it's just so interesting. So if Jesus were to speak to us today, he would use terms that are uniquely associated with today. He would be able to use the term tweet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He'd be able to do things like that. You know, he'd refer to the times to be able to reach the people. And so as he ministers to those that are under the law, you have to understand he's ministering using examples that they can relate to. And we, we reach back and we, we get understanding it, and it still applies to us. Okay? And so the first portion of the Sermon on the Mount is the Beatitudes. And remember, I told you, this is a part of a section that I call the King's Assessment. This is where he is assessing us. And, and his first assessment is that you're blessed. And don't let that escape you. Who are you? You may not be the you he's talking about. Uh, prayerfully, you are. But he says, you are blessed. Right? And, and, and here's the thing about blessed. We've gone over it. Hopefully you understand it. It's not about how you feel. Going through this life as one who's given their heart over to the living God, who trusts in Christ. His kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. He told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this earth. Because if it were... They'd fight for me. No, no worries. He's, but he, that was no issue with him, right? There's no issue with him whatsoever. So there's a, there's a dominating force in the midst of this world system today that doesn't like how you live. Doesn't like who is your Lord. Doesn't like who is your master. Doesn't. So it's not always going to feel good. It's not always going to feel... You're not going to feel blessed. And, and I say this to this end. See, because he's the king talking. And he's not saying you're blessed to make you feel good. Hallelujah. 
Let that sink in. He's not doing it to make you feel good. Because he understands. Because remember, he goes through all this. Blessed are those who are, who are uh, poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are the merciful. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. So he's not, he's not trying to make you... Persecution doesn't feel good. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called persecution to be feeling good. And again, I want to make sure you understand this. It's not about your feelings. Faith is not about your feelings. You, you know, here's the thing about faith. Faith is evident when you don't feel it. You get me? Excuse me. I have something in my throat. And so, as citizens of the kingdom, we have to understand we don't walk by feelings. We don't live by feelings. This is why I, I made mention of, you know, we have people who walk around blessed and don't even know it. Because it's not about how you feel. So he's not saying it because, you know, I, I need to give him something to make him feel good. No, he speaks truth. The truth is, if you are his, you are blessed. Whether you feel it or not. And here's the thing about truth. If it's not about how you feel. If he's not saying it just to make you feel good. Now, encouragement is a byproduct, but the reason he says his citizens are blessed is because that's who they are. They're blessed. Let that sink in. That's who you are. My last name is Martin. That's who I am. You know, I don't feel like a Martin all the time, but that's who I am. <laughs> and there's no denying who I am. <laughs> so when the king speaks he's letting us know you really are blessed that is who you are and this is ammunition for us when we go through the hard times that's why he finishes the Beatitudes and says rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you, says you got a good name in the kingdom. Don't worry about what's going on on this side. And so he, and again, I want to remind you. So this is part of the assessment. And in this part, it's not just the beatitudes. He continues the assessment and then lets the people know, those that are his, those that follow after the true and the living God. He lets them know that they are the salt of this earth. And when we looked at that, you know, I, I think Abraham was a very, very good example. Salt is so important. Salt preserves. And we see when Abraham made appeal before God, if there be 50, God said, they're preserved. If there be 45, God said, they're preserved. As long as Abraham was willing to go, Abraham said, I mean, God said, or told Abraham, they're preserved because of the righteous, which are the salt of this earth. But if the righteous stop being righteous, if those who are persecuted give up, they give in, if they compromise, that's losing savor. And if the salt loses its savor, What's it good for? There's no preservation. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. So Abraham let us know the power of your salt and the devastation of losing your savor. Lives are depending upon you. Hallelujah. Again, this is why you're blessed. Some people will run off and bless, say I'm blessed because of my character. No, no, you're important to this earth. Some people think that because I'm a good Christian. No, 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 no. It's because your righteousness makes this place savory to God. Not your church attendance. Not the number of scriptures that you know by heart. Not the scriptures that you can quote. 
And all I want to see, really not just the good deeds, it's your righteousness that makes a difference. And so, now we come to another section, and he's not finished with his assessment. He says, you're blessed, you're the salt of this earth. And then here in verse 14, well, let's start at verse 13 to read into this. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Verse 14, here's his next assessment. Ye are the light of the world. You're the light of this world. Again, this just this, this gets me. He's getting us to a point again. He's given his assessment. He's trying to make sure we, we understand there's purpose. There's purpose with our life here. And that is a purpose so that God can be good. That's really it. So that God can be good. You give God an avenue to show forth his goodness on an earth that without you would not be salty. In a world that without you would be in darkness. Light is needed. To say that we are the light of the world is to say that the world without us is in darkness. And though the world sits in darkness, those who follow Christ are the light to this dark system. Amen. You know, and I like this too. Just his terminology is interesting to me. He doesn't say we have light. He says we are the light. Mm. Now, keep your ribbon there. Matthew chapter 5. Last week when we started talking about salt, I said, imagine the earth without salt. And I know that when I said that, all the minds weren't in the same place, right? Because like salt, you know, what, what's the big deal? I don't need so much salt anyway. But when we started talking about it and started to understand how integral salt is into this earth and the operation of the earth and even to our bodies, then we said, oh, okay, I understand. Now I ask you, imagine the world with no light. I think we all can get on the same plane there. And when I say no light, I don't mean at night. See, because there's a light that rules over the night. <laughs> I mean no light. No stars. Wow. I was, as a child, I remember taking a field trip. Um, I believe it was actually with our church at the time. Taking a field trip and going to one of the caverns. And, you know, we're having a good time. They got lights in the cavern and stuff. And then they said, we're going to show you what it would be like if we didn't have the electricity and didn't have these lights in here. And they turn it off. And I'm going to tell you, you can tell the difference between no light and night. Oh, you were frozen. You were paralyzed. Scared to make a move. Because you could not see anything. There was no ounce of light. And they told us, and I don't remember exactly uh, what they said, but they told us to the extent that if you spend so long in there, you'll go blind. <laughs> you know, there's a, a section, well, you don't know, but there's a section um, of area in the place where I work where people have to work in the dark. When I say the dark, it means lights are turned off, but there's still some light there. And you spend a little time there. I was, I was there talking to somebody. And I said, i got to get out of here because, uh, you know, this, this not having light is messing with me. And as soon as you step into the light and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is, this, this is totally different. My eyes took time to adjust. But, but, you know, we almost found out what it was like to be without light in February, was that 13, 14? <laughs> when we almost went without power. I mean, there's no electricity. There's no, hey, it would be tough then. And we undoubtedly understand we need light. <laughs> we don't want to live without light. We get mad at the governor. We get mad at ERCOT. We get mad at the board. 
Because we didn't like living any amount of time without what light should have benefited us with. And he says that you are the light of this world. See, the world without you would be in utter darkness. Does this not encourage you, uh, maybe that's not the right word, inspire you? Does this not inspire you to, you know what, I get tired of ministering to him, but I can't stop. You know, I keep going to them. They, 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 they keep acting like they don't want to hear, but I, I can't stop. See, it's because I'm the light. And without me, they'd be in darkness. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And we will start at verse 1. In the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So, God finds a situation where there is an absence of light. Darkness is there. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God is the same way. Like, I don't like this dark situation. Show me the light. Verse 4, And God saw the light, that it was good. And now what's the darkness then? <laughs> Sometimes we don't understand. You know, some of us spend a little bit too much time in darkness, and it ain't good. God saw the light, that it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So when faced with darkness, God sees it, and he calls for light. When faced with darkness, God calls for light. Now, I want you to understand this. What does the scripture say? Heaven is, is his throne. Earth is his footstool. So there wasn't an absence of light with him. There was an absence of light in this place. And when he saw that there was not light in this place, God says we need light. Let there be light. Oh, I like this. Because sometimes... Wow. Sometimes you wonder, you know, God, are, are, are these people really the salt of the earth? Are they really the light of this world? When they're busy, let me tell you, one of the things that just gets me is, and I don't know if this is prevalent now as it was like a couple of de decades ago, people, uh, oh, that's my wife, that's my husband. Really? And God is seeing darkness, and we're talking about that's my husband, that's my wife. God is busy saying, let there be light. That's my husband. That's my wife. And now we get caught up on how much money we can make. And God is seeing darkness. And God is calling for light. You know, it makes you wonder sometimes. Is that really it? And again, I'm not the judge. But I'd say the earth and the world were in trouble. If that's the salt and that's the light. It amazes me how we can get so petty. And we're supposed to be the salt and the light. It just amazes me. You, you, you get in your mind, especially when you see the way some churchgoers act. And I say it that way, churchgoers. They go to church. And certainly a church is where you should find those who are blessed, who are the salt, and who are the light. But it's like, I, I get a vision of, when I was a boy, you know, we didn't have video games like that. You had to actually go spend some quarters to actually play video games, and those things were huge and massive. You had to wait in line in order to, so a lot of times we played outdoor sports. And one of the, you know, in the hood, put up a hoop, and you can play basketball. 
All you need, you know, the hoop, you, you can make out of anything. You just need, need to make sure somebody has a ball. And so when you go out, you know, go out to friends or people you don't even know, you just want to play. But then somebody gets mad and got to go home. And they got the ball. Game is over. And we are like little children at times. And we're so preoccupied with the wrong things. And God is seeing darkness. And is not liking it. And he's calling for light. And, and, and again, I, I hear the voice of the king saying, Now, if you're the salt, but you lost your savior, savior, what good are you? You're good for nothing. Sometimes we need to stop and we need to consider how we're acting, how we're behaving. So is this becoming of the person that he pronounced is blessed, is the salt, and is the light? We get so petty, we get mad at one another. They looked at me wrong. Ooh, thank you, God. Hallelujah. They looked at me wrong. Let's say they did. What would the light do? Hallelujah. Let's say you're justified. Let, let's say they talked about you, talked bad about you. And a lot of times we don't know if they did or not. It's just our imagination. But let's say they did and you knew it. How would the salt behave? How, how would the light behave? Because <laughs> I, I, in my mind, again, this is my imagination running wild. God is seeing darkness, calling for light. And all of a sudden you show up, you're like, no, 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 no. I, I need some light. Can someone brought me some light? So while we get preoccupied with being offended, wow, God says, let there be light. Stop and think. Hallelujah. Stop and think about that. I can't be offended. I refuse to be. I just can't be because I know who I am. I know the God that I serve. I know that He is calling for light. When I keep this in mind, I've I, I got to keep being merciful. Even when people don't deserve the mercy. Got to be, keep being compassionate. Even when it seems like they don't deserve the compassion. They pluck your last nerve. They're just in darkness. God is saying, I want light. I'm not done with them. I'm not done with this earth. I'm not done with this world. I've called for light. Again, remember, Jesus didn't say that we have the light. He says, we are the light. So if we are, so if we don't, huh, let, let me keep going. Let me keep going. Look at this in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Verse 5. John says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Do you hear that? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So when Jesus says, you are the light of this world, he says, you're God's kind of people. Because in him is no darkness. God is light. And so when we be the light, we are in fellowship with the living God. And it's so important. Look at this in Acts chapter 26. I like this too. Acts chapter 26. And here, I'm going to say Paul gives this to us, but Paul is relating what was 
spoken to him. And Paul is going to give some insight into the value of light. In Acts chapter 26, let's start at verse number 12. So Paul is giving his account here. And he says, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Delivering thee from the people, and from the Gentiles, unto whom thou I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He just gives us the Lord's record of the value of light. Let's read that again. Verse 18. To open their eyes and to turn them from dark. See, this is the purpose. To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. Why? Because in that light, they're delivered from the power of Satan and delivered into the power of God. Wow. Uh, catch that now. In the light, Satan has no power. Glory to your name. Now, in darkness, he's running roughshod. But in the light, he's as a roaring lion. <laughs> and, and he's looking around for an entrance you give him. But you've got to give it to him. Because, wow, I, I like this. You see, because, how did Jesus say it? The prince of this world cometh and has nothing in me. That's Satan. He's the prince of this world. He has nothing in Christ. Why? Because Christ is the, the light of this world. He has nothing in him. Can't touch him. The only way Christ was able to die is he had to give it up. Satan couldn't do anything to him. Christ had to keep his mouth shut while they lied on him. Because if the light shines, it's going to expose all that darkness. But here's what I love. See, because we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. And I like what Peter says. Peter says that we're kept by the power of God. See, see, in light, we're delivered from the power of Satan, and now we're kept by the power of God. Can I give this to you? Especially those of you in AMC. This word power in Acts 26 and 18, that's exousia. That power that Peter talks about, that we're kept by God, is dunamis. See, there's a measure of power that Satan has, and it's only authority. But the true power lies with our God. How do people make it? given the same set of circumstances when one is in the light and the other is in darkness one is being kept glory to your name I, I hope you understand this I really do hope you understand here's what I do believe I believe we come out of darkness and when we were in darkness without any light when we were in darkness without Christ we got beat up we got abused we got misused we got handled but, and I want to, for example, let's say that you abuse substances. Let's say you're on drugs. And I want you to understand that, that addiction is real. And it can abide in the body. Now, there are miracles that happen, and certainly it's all taken away. I, I, believe that, I believe God is able. 
I believe he has the dunamis power to do that. Uh, but let's say in darkness you go to an Alcoholics Anonymous or a drug, whatever. But you're not being kept by the power of God. Satan is beating you down. Any and everything around you. And it seems like you just can't get out of that rut. Because you're not being kept. But let that same individual turn the life over to the living God. And now, he's under somebody's wings. Now there seems to be a strong tower around. It seems as though the very same people they had difficulty with, now don't bother them as much. And again, it might still be going on in your body. Your body might still want it, but you've got a keeper now that helps you along the way. Glory to God, how many things have we missed? Because we have a keeper. Because we remain in the light. But if we were to step back, if we were to be the salt that loses its savor, if we're not the light of this world, if we give up and we give in, if we don't remain in righteousness, then we're back to where we started from. But in the light, we're delivered from the power of Satan. And we're delivered unto God who's going to keep us. Verse 18 again. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. In the light, there's forgiveness of sins. In the darkness, people are doomed. But if there's some light... God can forgive. Do you understand what I meant when I said that we are here so that God can be good? He needs light because he wants to forgive. Thank you, God. We have a God who wants to forgive. We have a God who's not looking to cut you off as soon as possible. We have a God who wants to give you time that you might see the light that he has placed in this world, that you might receive forgiveness of sins. And I want to make sure you understand that once you, God has forgiven your sins, you're clean on the inside. Your conscience is touched. All that weighed you down in the darkness, come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Light is important. Light is important to the world, but light is important to God. Because in the light, people are delivered from the power of Satan. With the light, people have their sins forgiven. In the light, wow, there's inheritance. We go from those on a path for hell... To a people who have an inheritance in the light. Again, I like how Peter puts it. Peter says this inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, and that does not fade away. I want I want you to know this. You know, we talk about people gifting things. No one can gift like God gifts. <laughs> but all this is made possible because of light. Thank you for a God who sees us in darkness and wants us delivered from the power of Satan. Wants us to have forgiveness of sins. Wants us to have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away and is reserved in heaven for us. So rejoice. Be exceeding glad. Even in the midst of persecution. Even when things are not going your way. Even when it doesn't seem to fall towards you just know, God has you here on purpose. And he's doing great things because you stay the course. Thank you, God. And just trust that you are the light. Sometimes you just got to trust it. 
They don't seem to be responding to me. Trust that you're the light. You might be the light that finally gets their eyes adjusted. You might be the light that begins their eyes on the adjustment process. But you're on purpose when you are the light. Back to Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Seems kind of interesting for him to say that. He says, you're the light. And now I want you to consider a city on a hill. <laughs> you know, you don't put a city on a hill when you want to hide it. That wouldn't be too wise. Let's hide. Let's get on the, on the highest hill. <laughs> they can't see us. No, they can't. Especially when it comes to a city. You know, here's the thing about a city. When you're passing by a city and there's lights there, you can tell that there's a city there. And so what's he saying here? He's saying that that city is strategically placed on that hill. It's not trying to be hidden. Listen. God has put you on a hill. Either you're a believer or you're not. And when you're a believer, you can't hide. Now that's important. Because remember, in all of these characteristics of the righteous individual, the end, the response of this world system is going to be persecution. People are going to talk about you. People are going to say things about you. People are going to try to persuade other people about you. Don't change. Stay right there. Rejoice. Be exceeding glad. God has put you on the hill on purpose. Don't look to get down. Amen. Now, now here's the thing about being on the hill. You will be seen, okay? You will be known. You don't have to wear a t-shirt. Did he say that? Yeah, I said that. You know, they see your t-shirt. Are you a Christian? No, he's not talking about that. You don't need to carry a big Bible to, to work every day. Listen to me. If you do, I'm not saying stop. I'm, I'm saying don't do it to show yourself as a believer. No, when you're a believer, when you don't curse, when you don't talk about your boss, when you don't get in the gossip with other people, you don't need a shirt. You don't need a big Bible. On, people are going to know there's something different about you. <laughs> I remember this one person I worked with a long, long time ago. And I remember he came to church one day. And I can't remember how long ago that was that I'd worked with him, how long before I was at this ministry. But I remember him saying, I knew there was something about you. <laughs> Why? Because I wouldn't go to the parties. Why? Because I wouldn't look at the woman like you were looking at the woman? It, it, you're going to stand out. <laughs> and when you stand out, guess what's going to happen? Persecution is going to happen. But God knew what he was doing. Amen. God knew what he was doing. A lot of us, what are we trying to do? We're trying to change departments. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Just, just, just give it up out there. Uh, we're trying to see. No, no, no. You're going to have to do something about this person I'm working with. No, God put you on hill on purpose. See, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hit. You've been set. I just want peace and quiet. God has you there on purpose. Verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You've been lit. And God didn't light you to hide you. He wants you to be seen. He wants you to be seen being pure, being poor in spirit. He wants you to be seen 
morning. He wants you to be seen being meek. He wants you to be seen hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He wants you to be seen being merciful. He wants you to be seen being pure. He wants you to be seen. Why? Because of the benefits of life. You really are the avenue of God's goodness in this system. And the world doesn't appreciate you, but God does. See, that's the assessment. God set you on a hill. God put you on a candlestick. So don't put a bad value on the attention. Don't despise it. God has a purpose in it. That's, that's what you need to remember. In the midst of not being so comfortable, in the midst of what seems to be persecution, remember, God has his hands on you. He's doing a work. As long as you remain in Christ, God is able to do a work through you. So it may not be comfortable on the hill, but ask God before you move. Ask God before you relocate. In the same manner, man, do not light a candle to conceal it. The candle is lit to give light to that light, and that light benefits everyone in the house. Everybody in the house benefits. And the light is, the light is set high for the maximum benefit. You see, he's getting our mind on purpose now. When you're the salt, when you are the light, no wonder his assessment is, you are the blessed. And look at this in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Oh, I, again, I just love this terminology because, you know, there'll be other times when he's going to speak to the, the Pharisees and say, uh, you're of your father, the devil. But he's speaking kingdom talk here. He's speaking to kingdom people. And he says, no, your Father is in heaven. And because your Father is in heaven, here's what he says. He says, shine. I, I'm going to borrow this phrase that I heard Mr. Stinson use, and, and I, I was rejoicing over it when she said it. We're going to live out loud. Our life has to live out loud. None of the secret stuff. <laughs> live out loud. Why don't you do that? You know, my, I got a conviction for God. I got a conviction before Christ. I can't do that. That's no big deal. Yes, it's a big deal to me. When other people say, you don't need to ask for forgiveness. You know, no, i got to ask for forgiveness, even though I wasn't wrong. Live out loud. Let other people see it. Don't be ashamed of it. Well, that's weak. I know who I am. I am blessed. I am the salt. I am the light. I don't care about your assessment. I care about the assessment of the king who rules my kingdom. So the message of the king to the citizens of the kingdom is to shine. Remember, let there be light. That's the message to us. Let there be light. Shine. Live out loud. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Those who follow Christ... Well, I said Ephesians 5. Yeah, turn to Ephesians 5, but also turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Those who follow Christ are living epistles. 
Amen. Did you catch that? Second Corinthians chapter 3. Starting at verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you? Or letters of commendation from you? Verse 2 says, you are our epistle. Written in our hearts, known and read of all men. We sit up here, we come to church, and we read the epistles. But we're in the light. God didn't call light because there was light. God called light because there's darkness. And in the darkness, you know what they're not doing? They're not sitting down and reading their Bible. They're not sitting down and and hearing about a teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. God says, let there be light. In other words, for those who don't read their Bible, let there be living Bibles. Let there be living epistles. That's what you are. You're living epistles. And you're read of all men. You've been set on a hill. You're a candle that has been lit. You have not been put under a bushel. You've been put on a candlestick so that all those in the house might benefit from it. That's who you are. Shine. How do I want to say this? When you get tempted to act outside of Christ, remember this. Let there be light. Remember what I said earlier? Let's say that somebody did you wrong, and they were wrong, and you know they're wrong. Other people are with you saying that they're wrong. You know what you need to do at that time. You need to shine. But they're another believer. They won't shine. You shine. (laughs) Hallelujah. I love it. Even when David in the cave, and there, there he is. He was on the run for no good reason. Had not done anything but serve God and serve his king. And the king put him on the run. And there he was. Here's the thing about it. The king came to David. David didn't go to the king. David was already in the cave. And the king came. It would seem like he was just being gift wrapped. And David had men there saying, you know what? This is what God has been talking about. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Go ahead and get him. But then God got a hold of David's heart and he heard God say, let there be light. And he, in everybody's mind, was justified in even cutting off a piece of the rope. But that hurt him at his heart and said, you know what, but I got to be light. I got to shine. And even if Saul wouldn't have responded right, somebody else there saw it. See, we're always worried about the big names. God is interested even in the small names. So shine. Glory to God. Shine. There's no doubt in my mind, somebody shined before you. See, it's hard to receive the gospel for somebody who doesn't shine. It's hard to receive the gospel for somebody who is not the light, who is not the salt, who's been kicking it like you were kicking it, as if there were no God. As if there were no consequences. But the one who stayed steady. The one who refused to move. And at the time that you recognize your need, you said, you know what? They shined. This one I can hear from. Hallelujah. Because I cursed them out and they refused to get in the mess with me. I did them wrong. I talked about them. But they still treated me like a friend. Your living epistles, read of all men. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 7. This is in the middle of the conversation, but you'll understand. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness. See, you were there at one time. You occupied that position that needed somebody to shine. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I love that. 
I don't know if you see it like I see it, but he's saying, don't forget where you came from. In your darkness, God said, let there be light. And somebody shine, somebody shone before you. And now that you have received salvation, now that you received his good gift, now you need to shine. Now walk as children of the light. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Wow. That means when you get struck on one cheek, when you turn the other cheek, they call you sorry. They call you soft. But that's the light shining. Wow. Amen. Glory to God. I'm, I'm telling you, this, this, is, this is the truth. Those who... Wow. Again, I, I'm just amazed. I, I really am just amazed. Those who treated the Lord so unfairly, so unrightly, He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, see that's shining. That's Him being the example that we're to follow after. In the time you want to get back... Shine. Shine. Otherwise, when he says you're blessed, you may not be the you he's talking about. But I believe this. I really do believe this. Once he has entered into your heart, you can't help but shine. Why? Because now all I want to do is please him. And I know that bad attitudes don't please him. I know that my wrath doesn't please them. I know those things don't please them at all. Now, understand this. This is interesting to me. Hmm. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. But I, I find it interesting, and this might just be my mind. You, you can take it or leave it, whatever. But I find it interesting that he didn't stop at salt. I find it interesting that he went on to say, not only are you the salt, but you're the light. But again, I, sometimes my imagination goes with me. But when you think of salt as a preservative, you think of something being packed. Packed with salt. In other words, the salt is all in the mess. You know, it's, it's like integrated into the product. Unless we get the wrong idea. He says, yeah, but, yeah, but you're also light. And here's the thing about light and darkness. Light and darkness can't get in it together. So, so in essence, he's saying you're in this world. Yes, you're the salt, but you're also the light. You're not of this world. There's got to be a difference. See, because remember, God divided the light from the darkness. These two can't mix. Because sometimes we get the wrong impression. It, it, I really can't believe. I really don't believe. I believe these are novices. I'll say it this way. That's a nice way. I believe these are novices. Preacher man, why'd you get those tattoos? I got these tattoos so I could reach other people. No, 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 no. You're not only the salt. You're supposed to be the light. There's supposed to be some kind of separation there. There's supposed to be some kind of divide there. You know, you get these people who say that, here we go. They talk about their ministry, and their ministry is music. But all of a sudden, they're sitting up here with Snoop Dogg. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. They sit up here with Kanye West. See, and, and, and now they think, oh, I'm, we're the salt. We've we got to reach them. We've got to be intermingled. No, 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 you're also the light. You might be in this world, and the world might, this earth might need you, but you're not of this world. You've got to come out from them and be separate. Because you sometimes were darkness. But you're not there any longer. Let's finish up with these couple of scriptures. Philippians chapter 2. You, you heard, I, I was real nice. I called them novices. 
at best. Philippians chapter 2. See, this is why we tell you, you've got to wait for instructions. Because you sit up here and you mislead people. Misdirect people in the name of God. And, and, let me tr- and let me tell you, you are chargeable for that. You're responsible for that. Be ye not many masters, knowing that we receive the greater condemnation. You want to be somebody. Wait on instructions. God knows what he's doing. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. When are we the light of this world? We're the light of this world when we work out our own salvation. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What has been done on the inside, let it work its way out. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Oh, I like that. You see, because we didn't read all of Philippians chapter 2, but, you know, everybody likes to go uh, to Philippians chapter 2 and talk about how uh, uh, he made of himself no reputation. You know, he obeyed all the way to the death on the cross. That means in your obedience, you will be put in tough situations sometimes. Do it without murmuring. Do it without complaining. We ask you to come up to the church on an extra Thursday. They do it with murmuring and complaining. Now, I know that's not the stuff of the light. I know that's not the stuff of the salt of the earth. That's why we need to consider ourselves. You see, even though whoever called you on that Thursday may not hear your murmurings and complainings, but God did. He's up here saying, let there be light. You're murmuring and complaining. Disputing. Because you missed a little sleep. I didn't get my eight hours. Let there be light. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That ye may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. You know all these things just bring up memories to me and, and examples to me. I, I remember a time I remember a time we were having a picnic at the church. I'm talking about Church of Living Water. And I was pretty young at the time in the ministry. And I remember hearing somebody who should have been a leader complaining. You know that stuck with me? And you know why that stuck with me? It's because that was a leader complaining. In a simple thing. In a simple thing. And thankfully enough, I had a little more sense than be affected. But I wonder how many other people they complained in front of. God is busy saying, let there be light. And we're standing in the way of light. Don't let that be you. That you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Look at this in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. When we put on Christ, that's when we shine as lights. That's when we're the salt of this earth. Romans chapter 13. Starting at verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting. That's not where the light is. Not in drunkenness. I'm sorry, can I say that? Not in the buzz. That's not where the light is. Not in chambering. You know what chambering is, right? You ain't married, but you're sleeping. But you ain't sleeping. But you're not married. That's chambering. That's not the light. And wantonness. Wantonness means you're just living it up in your lust. 
You're fulfilling your lust and your desires. Not in strife. Oh, here we go. In those arguments, those heated arguments, and those rivalries. You know, here we are in the church having rivalries one with another. Envyings. Wow. That's not where the light is. See, when you're caught up in those things, you haven't gotten to verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust there. Let me tell you this about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, here I go back again. Remember we talked about finishing our course and taking aim? It's hard to put on somebody you do not know. It's important that you make Bible studies. It's important that you make the services. It's important that you make the messages. It is God speaking to you that you might know Him and what He expects from you and what He's directing you into. So no wonder, if you cannot be consistent in hearing the Word, you can't put on Christ. You know, when I made mention of, that's my husband, that's my wife, you know what the issue is? They lack knowledge. They lack knowledge. Let me tell you, Church of the Living Water, we are without excuse. God has blessed us immensely. I will never forget when Mr. Rodriguez said that at one of the men of integrity. He said, if you're not growing... It ain't God's fault, it's yours. We know what God does among us. We hear His voice. He makes it plain before us. We should be fully equipped to be lights. We should be fully equipped to be the salt of this earth. But if we do not make ourselves the salt, if we do not make ourselves the light, you cannot blame it on the ministry. What does God say? Let all men be liars. But let God be true. Now, I'm going to end with this. Yeah, I'll end with that. Maybe I was thinking, maybe not saying, but I'll tell you this to you. You know, Jesus tells us plainly in John 8 that I am the light of this world. Light of this world. He says that plainly. Now, salt, on the other hand, he doesn't say that plainly, but I am convinced. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I don't have time to get there. Maybe we'll go over it next time. But I'm convinced he's the salt as well. Maybe we won't get a chance to go over it. But there is, I'm telling you, Elisha was some kind of prophet. But there's a time when, oh, my goodness. Can you give me a minute? Turn to Second Kings chapter 2. Second Kings chapter two. I've forgotten about the scripture. Second Kings chapter two. Verse number nineteen. And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth. But the water is not, and the ground barren. So everything is good, but the water is bad, and the ground won't produce. And he said, this is Elisha, bring me a new cruise, and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. And he went forth into the spring of the waters, and cast the salt in there, and said, thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death, our barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elisha, which he spake. And again, in my mind, who has the keys of death? Is it not the Lord? Who is going to be the one to put the enemy of death under? Is it not the Lord? So not only is he the salt, but he's not only is he the light, but I believe he's also the salt. So what things, again, this, this is what gets me about him ministering to these people who are under the law. He knows what's coming. You didn't get that, did you? You see, because he's the light. He's the salt. How did we become the light and the salt? Oh, the Holy Spirit went to work. The Holy Spirit went to work. Glory to God. So he's speaking to them. 
with an eye toward what's coming. See, this is why I say even though he's ministering to them, it's appropriate. We profit. We benefit off of it. That's why we're the salt and the light when we put on Christ. Because if we walk as he walks, we can't help but be the salt and the light. I'm out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.